Hey everybody and welcome into episode 56 of Jake's Take. I am Jake Hiller. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Hope everybody is having an awesome Friday night. So, lots of cover on tonight's show, but that's nothing new. But don't forget folks, not one, but two shows this weekend of Jake's Take. So tonight, going to be recapping... The weekend that was at Richmond Raceway, the truck race was awesome, but let's face it, the cup race was absolutely boring. And it doesn't have anything to do with the fact that Alex Bowman won, okay? Let's not forget, when Brad Keselowski won the cup race at Richmond last September, that race was pretty boring too. So obviously going to be talking about that, I'll be giving my take on what I think needs to happen at Richmond Raceway moving forward in order to make it exciting again. And going to be... I guess you could say previewing the chaos and mayhem ahead for this weekend at Talladega Super Speedway. So I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. I thank you for all of your support on the Jake's Take podcast page on Facebook. Be sure to tell all your friends about it. And tomorrow night, let's not forget, folks, tomorrow night, myself, Jason Boone, Josh Manley, and Johnny Glow for the first time here on Jake's Take an NFL mock draft podcast. That's right, folks. Did one last weekend with Josh, Timmy, and Johnny Glow. It was fun to get the band back together. Did one last year as well. Myself, Kyle Williams, Josh, Timmy, Dale Kivler. But like I said, this is the first time that we're having a mock draft on my show. Obviously, as you guys know the rules, 32 picks. Everybody gets eight picks. We all get to pick for our teams. I get to pick for the Steelers. Boone gets the pick for his Eagles. Josh gets the pick for his Cowboys. And Johnny Glow, he will be picking for his Minnesota Vikings. And a couple of, I guess you could say, miscellaneous topics for tomorrow night too. Alex Smith retiring after 16 seasons in the National Football League. We'll be discussing his legacy. And the Steelers signing Mike Tomlin to a three-year contract extension. Obviously, these reports about Justin Fields having epilepsy. And, of course, some NASCAR talk as well. I'll be asking them their picks for Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway. Possible recap of the Xfinity race. We don't know what's going to happen there weather-wise. Forecast is not looking good tomorrow at Talladega, but it looks beautiful for Sunday. And just kind of like we did on the Average Joe's last Sunday, or last Saturday night, excuse me, once we get done with our picks, quick review. And then we'll go around the table asking each other predictions for 2021, both NFL and NASCAR. Who do you think is going to go to the Super Bowl? Who do you think is going to win the NASCAR Cup Series championship? So just some very, very fun times ahead. So this past Saturday at Richmond Raceway, the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series race did not disappoint as usual. Race got going just a little after 1.30 in the afternoon on Fox Sports 1 with Ben Rhodes on the pole, and starting alongside him in second was Austin Hill, who, by the way, celebrated a birthday the other day. And the first stage, pretty much nothing happened, (laughs) okay? Grant Enfinger, who won the truck race at Richmond last year, passing his teammate Ben Rhodes for the lead three laps in, pretty much checking out, going on to win the stage. And then, of course, Kyle Busch, his third of five truck series starts this year, getting the lead off of pit road. But from that point on, as our pal Larry Mack Reynolds always likes to say, 
home race this weekend, by the way, for Larry McReynolds. Cautions breed cautions. And lap 86, it was Tate Fogelman and Haley Deegan getting together in turn three. Obviously, Tate getting the worst of it and showing his displeasure for Haley Deegan afterwards. And then Jennifer Jo Cobb made a lot of headlines over the weekend for pretty much all the wrong reasons, I guess you could say. And she was involved in not one, not two, three separate incidents. One of them being with Howie DeSavino III, and obviously several others with Norm Benning. And this was on the heels of an announcement that Jennifer Jo Cobb was going to make her NASCAR Cup Series debut on Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway, driving the number 15 Chevrolet for Rick Ware. But obviously, three separate incidents. And of course, some of the other notables, uh, Nice, uh, nice Motorsports, Ryan Truex breaking a gear 44 laps into the race, and his teammate, Brett Moffat, obviously getting in a little bit of trouble as well. Some news with him coming up here in just a little bit. But, like I said, they were not done wrecking, <laughs> that's for sure. John Hunter Nemechek was able to pass his boss, Kyle Busch, for the lead. He goes on to win stage two. And, of course, you have all the conspiracy theorists on Twitter saying, oh, you know, it's just like Atlanta all over again. Kyle, he's letting him win these stages and racking up all the playoff points. You could look at it that way. You could look at it another way. Obviously, like I said on previous shows, Kyle has two goals in mind with Kyle Busch Motorsports. Three goals in mind when you think of it. Number one, to win the Drivers' Championship with John Hunter Nemechek in that number four Toyota. Number two, to win the Owners' Championship in the number 51 Toyota that he gets to drive for five races a year. Martin Trex Jr. won with it at Bristol on the dirt. And obviously, they're going to have many, many other drivers Splitting time behind the wheel of the 51. And, of course, the third and final goal, the 18 truck, Chandler Smith. Rough, rough start to him for, for him so far in 2021. Obviously, to get him to win a race and make the playoffs. I mean, those are the goals at Kyle Busch Motorsports. But plenty of action. Derek Krause spinning in turn two. Haley Deegan getting into Chase Purdy. Definitely a big, and I mean big disappointment so far in GMS equipment. And like I said, just the horrible day that Jennifer Joe Cobb had. So keep that in mind moving forward. A couple more incidents that we had on the day. One of them was Dawson Cram and Austin Wayne Self down in turn four. Cody Rohrbaugh getting wrecked down in turn one. So the truck race, it definitely lived up to the hype. It was just like Larry McRonald says, cautions breed cautions. And like I said, John Hunter Nemechek, the favorite for the Truck Series Championship. And definitely one of the more disappointing guys so far this year has been his teammate, Chandler Smith. But Chandler did take the lead on lap 210. But obviously, it was not enough to hold off his teammate, John Hunter Nemechek, and to hold off the boss, Kyle Busch. Ultimately, John Hunter passed him with 17 laps to go. Held off a hellacious charge. From the boss, Kyle Busch. Kyle tried giving him a shot going in between turns three and four on the final lap, but it wasn't enough. And John Hunter Nemechek went on to win Saturday afternoon's Truck Series race at Richmond. And it's pretty surreal to think about. He won it with Eric Phillips. Eric, who worked with his father, Joe, over at Nemco Motorsports, being the crew chief for the Busch Series program that they had for so many years. 
and Joe himself. Joe won a Bush Series race at Richmond in 1994, spring of 1994, and he did win the Spring Cup race there in 2003, driving that 25 car for Rick Hendrick. So definitely the Nemechek success continuing at Richmond, and Johnny Glow said it later that night on the Average Joe's podcast. John Hunter Nemechek, I mean, all of us said it. It was definitely a smart move moving down from Cup to the Truck Series, I mean, you're in the 38 car, and John Hunter did a hell of a job in that 38 car, getting top 20s, getting top 10s, both Talladega races, getting a top 10 at Darlington, a couple top 15s here and there, but obviously he did the best that he could with the equipment that he had, and to move down, to go to Kyle Busch Motorsports, like I said, by far the best truck series team in the business to assert yourself as the favorite for the championship. And more than anything, also, John Hunter Nemechek becoming a father on March 31st for the first time in his career. So obviously, it gives him more time to spend with his daughter and his wife Taylor. And like I said, setting yourself up for a great scenario moving forward. Maybe a second 23XI car, maybe one of those Joe Gibbs Cup cars moving forward. So definitely happy for John Hunter Nemechek. But as exciting as the truck race was on Saturday, the cup race on Sunday was an absolute dud. So the race got going just a little after 2 o'clock Eastern time. Gibbs teammates Martin Trex Jr. and Denny Hamlin on the front row. Martin led the first 32 laps before the competition caution came out. We all know how strong of a pit crew Denny Hamlin has. They won him the race off of pit road, and from that point on, Denny just took off. And he went on to win the very first stage. Martin Trex Jr. pretty much being the only competition that he had. Now, the one thing that we know so far in 2021, I'm a firm believer in the second place jinx that we have talked about so many times before. Brad Keselowski, Jeremy Bollins, and the two crew have not had a single top five or top ten finish since March 14th at Phoenix when they finished fourth. And I put emphasis on that because as we all remember, after that race was over, that was when they found two missing lug nuts on the two car. Jeremy Bollins was suspended for the weekend ahead at Atlanta Motor Speedway. And Grant Hutchins, who was the engineer, he was the interim crew chief, and did an absolutely horrible job that weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. There's no other way around it. Usually one of the best tracks there is for Brad Keselowski to finish four laps down in 28th with a pit crew that at one point had a 31-second pit stop. Granted, it was when he had to fix all the damage from running into the back of Martin Trex Jr. when Martin had to check up. Not a single top 10 finish since then. 11th on the Bristol Dirt, which is a miracle in itself when you consider that Brad only has two dirt races to his name his entire career. But Martinsville, we know how strong he is at Martinsville, and he did not have a top five car in Martinsville. Only time he ran in the top five was when Jeremy kept him out. You had the power steering issues. You're losing four spots on pit road one time, six spots another time. My point is... We know that these Penske crew chiefs, Jeremy Bollins, we saw it with Paul Wolf when him and Brad were together all those years, winning 29 races together, winning that 2012 championship. Paul 
is always willing to go outside the box and be unconventional. And Jeremy Bowens is the same way. But what the hell was he thinking? Keeping Brad out there on old tires at Richmond, one of the most worn out surfaces, probably the most underrated surface you could say there is when it comes to tire wear, the way that, that it wears tires out. And this, honestly, in my opinion, this is why Richmond sucks anymore, okay? Now, I know a lot of people, you know, they, they praise Atlanta and Darlington and Miami. They praise them, you know, for being races where the tires wear out. But the thing is, you know, you the tires wear out, but at least you have multiple grooves of racing. You have good quality racing at those tracks. I mean, Atlanta, I know Atlanta was a little boring this year. But for the most part, Miami and Darlington in a few weeks those are two of the most exciting races on the schedule anymore, especially with the, the 550 horsepower package. My point is, Jeremy Bullen's strategy made absolutely no sense whatsoever. Keeping Brad out there on old tires, and you're thinking to yourself, oh, well, you know, I'm hoping we could stay on the lead lap. I'm hoping we could stay in the lead lap. I mean, if, if we get a late caution, we'll have an, a set of tires laying around. Dude, that defeats the whole purpose. I'm keeping you out there hoping we don't get lapped and we'll have an extra set of tires if there's a late caution. Number one, he got lapped. Number two, if there is a late caution, you know that everybody's going to come in for four tires because that's the way Richmond is anymore. So just stupid, absolutely stupid strategy by Jeremy Bones and the two crew. And like I said, that pit crew, they didn't do him any favors either. So sure enough, Brad Keselowski got lapped towards the end of the second stage, which was won by, by Denny Hamlin. And like I said, it, it just it just blows my mind making a pit call like that, keeping him out there on old tires on a, a surface like that that hasn't been repaved in 17 years. Dumb. Absolutely dumb. There's no other way around it. So, as I said, the race itself, it was nothing to write home about. Martin Trex Jr. was pretty much the only competition that Denny Hamlin had most of the day. And sure enough, as we were getting down towards the end of the race, green flag pit stops, and Martin speeds on pit road. So from that point on, the one thing I noticed was Denny was very good very good on a short run, but on a long run, just kind of like Martinsville, Joey Logano was able to catch him and pass him for the lead with <clears throat> with 55 laps to go. So the other thing that I noticed is, and you guys know how critical I am of Alex Bowman. Alex started 24th on the field, and... He'll be the first to tell you Richmond is not one of his best racetracks. Up until last year, he didn't have a single top 10 finish at Richmond. And when he did get that top 10 in September of last year, it was a ninth place finish. But early on, Alex showed good speed on the long run, especially. He was able to drive up into the top 10 early on, drove up into the top five, had to go to the back of the field for an uncontrolled tire. 
So once again, you're thinking to yourself like, oh, his day is done. He, you know, he's not even going to get a top ten. Drove all the way back up into the top five. Drove up into the top three. Passing Christopher Bell, who did a remarkable job on Sunday. And of course, as we all know, what an excellent battle that Joey Logano and Denny Hamlin that they were having for the lead. And that all came unfoiled with 18 laps to go when Kevin Harvick blew a right rear tire going down to turn one and backed it in the fence. As we know, like I said, Richmond anymore, you need tires. Everybody came in for tires. Denny Hamlin wins the race off of pit road. That pit crew is amazing. What made the difference was, like I said, he was good on a long, he was good on a short run. Alex was good on, on a long run. It took his car a long time to get going. Greg Ives, Alex Bowman's crew chief. Greg, who was actually the last crew chief that Dale Earnhardt Jr. had from 2015 to 2017, Greg said that he learned a lesson. He didn't say what specific year it was, whether it was 2015, 2016. Definitely wasn't 2017 with how horrible that year went. But Greg said that he learned a lesson one time at Richmond with Dale Earnhardt Jr. about air pressure. And Dale got on him and told him, he's like, no. He's like, I need this car to take off. I need you to pump up the air pressures in these tires in order for me to get going. And that's what Greg did for that final stop with, with Alex was he pumped up those air pressures. He knew that the car had to be good on a short run if he wanted to have any chance at Denny Hamlin and Joey Logano. Sure enough, that's what he did. And I don't think anyone, even Alex himself, couldn't believe when he passed Denny for the lead with 10 laps to go and actually drove away from him. Who in a million years imagined that Alex Bowman would win at Richmond Raceway? And this was the third one of his career, but it was the first in the 48. This was the 48's first win since Dover, June of 2017, which was the 83rd and final win of Jimmy Johnson's career. Just an absolute shocker this past Sunday at Atlanta, or at Richmond. <laughs> I almost said Atlanta because it felt like an Atlanta race. You know, the way that Kyle Larson dominated and Denny Hamlin... <clears throat> Same way, you know, Denny dominated at Richmond. Ryan Blaney passes Kyle Larson later at Atlanta. Alex Bowman is able to pass Denny Hamlin with 10 laps to go at Richmond and pull off a win that absolutely nobody expected whatsoever. So Alex Bowman goes on to win Sunday at Richmond Raceway. And the third win of his career, three seasons in a row that he's won for that matter, As we all know, that first win at Chicagoland Speedway in 2019 would end up being the last race there. And then winning at Auto Club Speedway in 2020, less than two weeks before the season was shut down because of the pandemic. And sure enough, Auto Club Speedway was kicked off the schedule this year, obviously because of California's COVID restrictions under Gavin Newsom. And of course, we all know, how come 2023 Auto Club Speedway is now going to be a short track? So that begs the question, five cautions on Sunday for 39 laps. Competition caution, stage one. Ryan Newman getting spun by Austin Sendrick. Denny Hamlin winning stage two. And Kevin Harvick cutting a tire and wrecking in turn one. Is Richmond next? (laughs) Is it next? 
I, you know, I have to laugh about it. Alex Bowman himself, he said that he's the Grim Reaper of racetracks. <laughs> so listen, as much flack as I give Alex Bowman, Alex, just do me a favor. Please win at Sonoma on June 6th so that can be taken off the schedule completely, okay? <laughs> I'll take back every bad thing I've ever said about you. <laughs> but all seriousness, like I said, I have been definitely Alex's harshest critic ever since he took over Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s 88 car on a permanent basis and now taking over the 48 car that was Jimmy Johnson's. I mean... That's pressure-packed in itself. When you take over for NASCAR's most popular driver ever, and then you take over for a seven-time champion, Jimmy Johnson. And Jeff Andrews, who became the head of the engine department at Hendrick Motorsports mid-2000s. Jeff is now the general manager of Hendrick Motorsports, I believe. Jeff was in the media center on Sunday, obviously, taking the place of Rick Hendrick. Rick wasn't there on Sunday. And as we all know, Alex Bowman, it's been one-year contract after one-year contract. He took over Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s car in 2018. One-year contract, 2019. Then 2020, then 2021. And Jeff Andrews said that they're in the midst of putting together a contract extension. And obviously, to win this early in the season. After really a, a roller coaster start to the season, you win the pole for the Daytona 500. Top 10 on the road course, flat tire at Vegas, wreck at Phoenix, third at Atlanta, wreck at Bristol, wreck at Martinsville, and then to win at Richmond of all places. So as critical as I've been of Alex Bowman, this was definitely one of the more impressive wins, I would have to say. I mean, First off, Chicagoland Speedway, that wouldn't have happened, ironically, if Kevin Harvick didn't cut a tire down. But obviously his win at Auto Club last year, I mean, that was just an absolute snooze fest. Nobody had anything for him that day. So I definitely got to give credit where credit's due. I'm sure all of you are thinking that hell's frozen over. But I think the one thing with Alex is obviously – he had tons of pressure taking over for Dale Earnhardt Jr., and now he's feeling the pressure. Pro- you could argue probably even more pressure taking over for Jimmy Johnson. I mean, it's one thing when you take over for the sport's most popular driver, but it's another thing when you take over for a seven-time champion. I mean, just ask, well, when Richard Petty retired at the end of 1992, they hired Rick Wilson to take over his car. Rick didn't even make it through 1993. And obviously, much, much different circumstances with Kevin Harvick when he took over Dale Earnhardt's car. Obviously, those are circumstances that we hope nobody ever has to go through ever again. But I do, like I said, I have to give credit. I mean, starting 24th at one of your worst racetracks, having to go to the back of the field for an uncontrolled tire penalty, definitely impressive. So taking a look at the rundown from Sunday's race at Richmond Raceway, Denny Hamlin was second. After leading 207 laps on the day, Joey Logano was third, Christopher Bell fourth, his first top five finish since winning on the Daytona road course back in February. And rounding out the top five was Martin Trex Jr., his teammate, who overcame that speeding penalty. Probably 
one of the more impressive drives Sunday, and this is coming from someone, I was going to say, I've been a very harsh critic of Eric Amarola as well. I know Josh has as well. But to drive all the way up from 22nd to 6th on Sunday was very, very impressive. William Byron, Willie B, woo! Another top 10 finish in 7th. I know Sean Rosansky was very, very thrilled about that. Watched a little bit of the race with him on Sunday. He was definitely happy to see Byron come home with another top 10. Seven in a row for Willie B. Kyle Busch was 8th. Matt DiBenedetto, Johnny Glow's new driver. First top 10 finish of the year for Matt DiBenedetto. Things are definitely heading in the right direction. And Austin Dillon rounding out the top 10. 11th was Ryan Blaney. That, believe, that or, believe it or not, Ryan's best finish ever at Richmond Raceway. Chase Elliott, our defending series champion. Winless. And for that matter, with Alex Bowman winning on Sunday, the only Hendrick Motorsports driver that's winless. Who the hell would have thought that at the beginning of the year? Kurt Busch, 13th. Brad Keselowski, 14th. Like I said, another unacceptable performance out of the two crew. And Jeremy Bullins this past Sunday. Ross Chastain, a much-needed top 15 finish. Daniel Suarez, 16th. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., 17th. Kyle Larson. That was probably the biggest shock on Sunday was how bad Kyle Larson ran. He finished in 18th, had some problems on pit road early on, and just was never able to recover. Eric Jones, 19th, and rounding out the top 20 was Tyler Reddick. 21st was Corey LaJoy, 22nd, Chase Briscoe, Cole Custer, 23rd, and teammate Kevin Harvick in 24th. Now, granted, if that tire doesn't blow out, two things. Number one, Alex Bowman doesn't win the race. Joey Logano or Denny Hamlin likely does. And Kevin Harvick ran inside the top five most of the day Sunday. But obviously, him and that four team, nowhere near as good as they were the past six or seven years. Chris Buescher, rough day, 25th. Bubba Wallace in 26th after running around 11th or 12th early on. Michael McDowell, 27th. Like, like I said, it looks like things are starting to come back down to earth there. Austin Sendrick making his third Xfinity, yeah, ugh, third cup start of the year. Excuse me. It's, it's a late one, folks. I'm not going to lie. Recording this one. It's 1030 right now. <laughs> Austin Sendrick making his third cup start. Finishing in 28th. Ryan Priest, 29th, after such an amazing start to the season that he had. Ryan Newman, 30th, after he got spun out early on by Austin Sendrick in the sequence of green flag pit stops. Anthony Alfredo, BJ McLeod, James Davison, Quinn Huff, Garrett Smithley, Cody Ware, Josh Balicki, and Justin Moneymaker Haley, blown engine on lap one. That was how things went Sunday at Richmond Raceway. Now... As I said, Richmond, and this doesn't have anything to do with Alex Bowman winning the race. Like I said, Brad Keselowski won at Richmond back in September. And that was one of the most boring races I've ever watched. Three caution flags, the competition caution, and the two stage breaks. When Ryan Newman got spun out on lap 142 by Austin Sendrick, that was the first caution flag at Richmond not for 
competition caution, not for a stage break, not for weather. The first caution for an incident at Richmond since September of 2019. And of course, as we remember on the last show, the April race at Richmond in 2020, that got canceled because of COVID-19. So what is it about Richmond? Why is it so boring anymore? Take a look at that surface, folks. Richmond, the surface, it's old, it's worn out, the tires, and while you want that at most racetracks, it has ruined the racing at Richmond. The tires are like, it's like a cheese grater, basically. And it's like you're at Darlington, Atlanta, or Miami. But Dale Earnhardt Jr., he's been saying it for years and years and years. And I will take the opinion of someone that won three cup races there and four Xfinity Series races there. Dale Earnhardt Jr. said that Richmond needs to be repaved and they need to put a coat of sealer on top of that asphalt. And when you do that, when you have that new shiny asphalt, yeah, it's going to be a one-groove racetrack early on, but you're going to have bumping and banging. You're going to have guys moving each other out of the way. You're going to have guys that are going to be scared to go up there and try to get a middle groove or an upper groove going because it's going to be like you're out on ice there. But that's the way that Richmond was in the early 2000s. And that's when you saw good side-by-side racing. That's when you would normally see 12, 13, 14 caution flags during a race. And I get that that's not what NASCAR is all about is caution flags. But this is the way it works. I mean, Brad Keselowski said it himself. This is an entertainment business. And the races at Richmond have been absolutely dull for the last four years. So... If you listen to someone that's been around the sport long enough, like Dale Earnhardt Jr., and you repave the track and you put that sealer on, I guarantee you you're going to have one hell of a show at Richmond. Because, let's face it, it's ISC. It's owned by the France family. It's a boring race anymore. Both races, for that matter. The spring race and the fall race. It's boring. You don't... I mean, these are different circumstances, obviously, with COVID. But even before COVID... Richmond wasn't even selling out, not even close. So if you want to avoid losing one of your races to, hey, there was a rumor about a a Chicago street race in 2022. If you want to avoid losing your spring race or your fall race, which is right in the thick of the playoffs, I mean, think of it. Chicago, one of the top three markets in the country. Got to do it, Richmond. Got to repave that racetrack. Because, honestly, there's been nothing to write home about these last four years. So, the wild weekend ahead, Talladega Super Speedway. Now, on Wednesday night, we did have the iRace from Virtual Talladega. (laughs) It was absolutely epic what my father had to say about that. (laughs) He's like, oh, he's like, look at this. Virtual Talladega, they're all doing it from their houses. He's like, I'm not even drunk and watching this. <laughs> He's like, this is as redneck as it gets. <laughs> you gotta love that about my dad. He has no filter whatsoever and doesn't care what anyone thinks about what he says. He's gonna tell you straight up what he thinks. <laughs> That's what's so awesome about it. But when it comes to eye racing. Obviously, the number one name that comes to mind when you think of who's going to win, two names come to mind for that matter, William Byron and Timmy Hill. Obviously, myself, Sean Rosansky, 
a lot of us, we hope to see Dale Earnhardt Jr. win some of these iRaces. And we know how close he came last year at Miami, him and Denny Hamlin right down the wire when Denny edged him at the very last second. But the one guy, there's been a few guys that have had a hard time adapting to iRacing. Some big names. Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Brad Keselowski, and Brad, Brad last year struggled a lot in that iRace at Homestead Miami Speedway. He skipped the one at Texas. He skipped the finale at North Wilkesboro before NASCAR came back. But the two iRaces he did really well in, one of them was Richmond and the other one was Talladega. And he worked really, really hard on becoming a better iRacer. And he did skip Bristol, scheduling conflicts, I believe it was. Timmy Hill actually drove the the two car. But Wednesday night, he did manage to win the iRace, passing James Davison with a few laps to go. And going on to win the iRace and a $5,000 check going towards the Checkered Flag Foundation. So definitely an, an awesome event Wednesday night, raising money for a good cause. That's the great thing about these iRaces. You know, they help lift up the spirits of many NASCAR fans and really a lot of people in the country when every sport was suspended March, April, early part of May. And whoever would would win an iRace, Denny Hamlin is another one that comes to mind. Denny winning the iRace at Miami, winning the iRace in North Wilkesboro last year. A lot of times these iRaces, whoever would win, money would be donated to a charity of their choice. So, really, really cool. So, Talladega Super Speedway, tomorrow, 4 o'clock on Fox Sports 1. The NASCAR Xfinity Series is back after a weekend off. Definitely felt weird not seeing them race at Richmond. You you, You become so used to them having two Xfinity races at Bristol and Richmond. And it definitely feels weird to only have one Xfinity race apiece at both those tracks this year. Just doesn't feel right. And Talladega Super Speedway, for the longest time, it was just one Xfinity race. But last year, obviously, with COVID and a bunch of races getting canceled and moved, they added a second Xfinity Series race and obviously, it was so good that we're going to have two Xfinity races at Talladega Super Speedway again this year. So, 4 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, weather permitting, though. That's the thing. There's a lot of rain in the forecast for tomorrow at Talladega Super Speedway. Now, NASCAR has not announced what the contingency plan is in the event that the Xfinity race gets postponed tomorrow. Last time this happened was in 2010. Much different circumstances. There was a tornado near Talladega, so they had no choice whatsoever but to postpone it to Sunday. And they started the cup race at 1 o'clock and the Xfinity race at 5 o'clock. But the cup race on Sunday, it's going to start at 2 o'clock. So starting an Xfinity race at 6 o'clock, I mean, these are Eastern times, let's not forget. Because Talladega is in a central time zone. But nevertheless, you worry about them possibly running out of daylight. I mean, you go back and you watch the 2013 
spring race, that upset with David Reagan and David Gillen when they finished 1-2. It was quarter after eight when that checkered flag flew, and it was pitch black outside. Just all the camera lenses made it look like it was still decent when in reality it really wasn't. So 4 o'clock on Fox Sports 1, Adam Alexander, Joey Logano, and Tyler Reddick with the call. On the poll are defending Xfinity Series champion Austin Sendrick, who won the season opener at Daytona in February. And starting alongside him, Daniel Hemrick is tomorrow finally the day. I mean, we've asked it how many times. (laughs) Starting third is Harrison Burton, who actually is going to be making his cup debut Sunday in the 96 car. And Noah Gregson starting alongside him in fourth. Obviously, we know how Noah, his first Xfinity win, came at Daytona February last year. Justin Moneymaker Haley. Two Xfinity Series wins at Talladega last year. Also won the August Xfinity race at Daytona. Does he get the hat trick tomorrow? Josh Berry, the newest winner in the Xfinity Series, in that number eight car for Dale Earnhardt Jr. He will be starting six. Dale Earnhardt Jr. said it when he had Josh on the podcast last week. He will be there tomorrow to cheer him on, but also give him some tips on how to run Talladega. I mean, hey, who better can you learn from? The guy won six cup races at Talladega Super Speedway and won the Xfinity race there in 2003. Starting seventh is Brandon Jones, and an eighth is Justin Allgaier. Ninth, Jeb Burton. Rounding out the top ten is Myatt Snyder. A.J. Allmendinger in 11th, Michael Annette 12th. Brett Moffitt has switched points. He was running for the Truck Series Championship. He switched over to Xfinity points. All of his truck points get wiped out. He has zero Xfinity points. We saw this in 2019 when Ross Chastain, when he switched from Xfinity to truck points, you start at zero. You have to make your way up into that top 20 and win a race. We know how talented Brett is, or as Jason Boone likes to call him, Brett the Moffat man. <laughs> I think he could definitely get one of those playoff spots. Jeremy Clements in 14th, Josh Williams 15th, Ty Dillon 16th. He won an ARCA race here in 2011. Ty said he doesn't really have anything lined up as far as rides or races for 2021 after this weekend at Talladega. So honestly, if, if there's one guy... Obviously, you guys know that I usually pull for the junior motorsports cars. I usually pull for Austin Cendrick. But there was a part of me that would love to see Ty Dillon win tomorrow, just knowing how this could really be a make-or-break moment for him in his career. Ryan Sieg in 17th, Brandon Brown 18th, Riley Herbst 19th, Jay Buford, Kyle Weatherman, Colin Garrett, Tommy Joe Martins, Gray Galding, Bailey Curry, David Starr, Timmy Hill, Cesar Baccarella, Joey Gase, Alex LeBay, Mason Massey, Landon Castle, Jeffrey Earnhardt, whose grandfather won 10 races at Talladega, Jesse Little, Joe Graff Jr., Matt Mills, Colby Howard, Natalie Decker, Ryan Vargas, and Jason White. That is the 40-car field for tomorrow or Sunday's Xfinity race at Talladega, however you want to look at the forecast. So when I look at this Xfinity race, obviously two things come to mind. Number one is the weather. 113 laps, as we know, when weather is in the forecast, 
as long as you get to halfway, if that weather rolls in in NASCAR's discretion, they can call the race and make it official. So you have that. You're going to be racing against the weather tomorrow if you manage to somehow get this race in. And I think the one thing is teamwork. We see it so many times at Super Speedway Racing. Now, Austin Sendrick is definitely the most unique situation because Penske, they really don't have an Xfinity teammate. You know, for the longest time, they would usually have a second Xfinity car out there, but obviously with COVID protocols and only being allowed for certain races where practice and qualifying is allowed, Austin pretty much has the 98 of Riley Herbst and the 39 of Ryan Sieg. That's a new Ford team this year. So obviously the Gibbs boys, Hemrick, Burton, Brandon Jones, Ty Dillon, and I mean Ty, like I said, this is definitely make or break. You know, he's he's been trying so hard to make it on his own this year. And all the power to him in the world. And, and it's definitely heart-wrenching to think that he really doesn't have anything lined up after this weekend at Talladega. So, I know it's Talladega, and I know that pretty much anybody could win there. But a win for him would definitely help. As far as really saving his career, in my opinion. But ultimately, it's about the Chevrolet teams. And we know that the Junior Motorsports guys, we know how phenomenal Noah Gregson and Michael Lynette are at restricted plate racing. Michael actually won an ARCA race at Talladega in 2007. Shows you how long he's been around. And we know how close Justin Allgaier has come to winning at Talladega several times before. I mean, obviously, like I said with Josh Berry, when you're driving for Dale Earnhardt Jr., Number one, it's the best teacher to have as far as restrictor plate racing goes. But number two, you're expecting to win at Daytona and Talladega. And with Josh, I know that February was the first time that he had any experience at Daytona. And I thought that he did a remarkable job having that car in the top five and the top ten a lot. But obviously before the big one happened. Well, one of multiple big ones. But I would definitely have to say the one team, in my opinion, that I think is better at teamwork in Xfinity at restricted plate racing than Junior Motorsports is Colleague Racing. It kind of has, I know some people said, Colleague Racing right now in the Xfinity series, it kind of has that, that early 2000s DEI feel to it. And honestly, I, I could see it. You know, Justin Haley is going for three Xfinity Series wins in a row at Talladega. And like I said, we know the only guy that managed to pull off four in a row at Talladega, Dale Earnhardt Jr. You have A.J. Allmendinger. A.J., phenomenal restricted plate racer. No matter if he was with Red Bull, Richard Petty Motorsports, his brief time with Penske, and then obviously the 47 car, kind of like Michael Waltrip. You know, we, we remember how Michael was such a phenomenal restricted plate racer. And Jeb Burton, in some ways, I mean, he's good at restricted plate racing, but obviously could be better. And, I mean, his father won the 2002 Daytona 500, talking about Ward Burton. So I definitely see those early 2000s DEI comparison. So for this race, no matter when it gets going whether it's tomorrow 
or whether it's Sunday morning or Sunday evening, whatever the case may be, you know for damn sure who Jason Boone is taking in this race. And I've got to go with him too. Justin Moneymaker Haley for his third consecutive Xfinity Series win at Talladega Super Speedway. Obviously, it's hard. You often worry about the big one, but hard to bet against him at this point. And what's so great about Talladega, and we see it both in Xfinity and Cup, and we even see it in the Truck Series when, when they race at Talladega in the fall. Obviously, you crank that engine, you've got a shot to win, no matter what kind of underfunded equi- you, equipment you might have, like a Jeremy Clements or a Josh Williams or Brandon Brown, who's had a remarkable season. And, of course, Jeffrey Earnhardt. Like I said, your grandfather won here. Your uncle won here. Your father, Carrie, almost won the 2005 Bush Series race at Talladega Super Speedway. Had a shot to beat Martin Trex Jr. there at the end, but just couldn't have anyone willing to work with him. So I think that's definitely what's exciting about it. Gray Galling is another one. Gray finished second in the August race at Daytona last year, I believe. Timmy Hill. Timmy Hill finished third in the Xfinity race at Daytona last February. So you definitely have the heavy hitters like a Cindric, like Junior Motorsports, like Colleague, like Joe Gibbs Racing. But that's that's definitely one of the great things about Talladega. The underdogs of war, as Jason Boone likes to say. So finally, Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway, the Geico 500. 2 o'clock on Fox, Mike Joy, six-time Talladega winner Jeff Gordon, and two-time Talladega winner Clint Boyer with the call. On the pole, two-time Talladega winner Denny Hamlin. Denny won the spring race here in 2014, but he also won the fall race at Talladega last year. Starting alongside him in second is Joey Logano, and Joey has... Three wins at Talladega Super Speedway. The fall race, 2015, 2016, and the spring race in 2018. Martin Trex Jr., three, I just realized it now, three consecutive NASCAR Bush Series wins at Talladega Super Speedway from 2004 to 2006. But the luck in the Cup Series, it's been far different. Martin did get the first top five finish of his Cup career at Talladega in 2006. Finishing fifth when he was driving for Dale Earnhardt Incorporated, but ever since then, the luck there has just been absolutely horrendous. William Byron, Willie B, woo! He's going to be starting fourth, and he actually finished fourth at Talladega in the fall of last year. Starting fifth is Alex Bowman, fresh off the win at Richmond, and also Sunday is Alex's 28th birthday. And Alex finished second in this race two years ago. Christopher Bell in 6th, Ryan Blaney 7th, 2 wins at Talladega, fall of 2019, and the summer of 2020, the defending winner of this race, as I mentioned. And starting alongside him in 8th, his best friend Chase Elliott. Chase won this race 2 years ago. Speaking of best friends, (laughs) row 5, starting ninth is Kyle Busch. Kyle only has one cup win at Talladega the spring of 2018. And starting in 10th, He won the iRace on Wednesday night. 
He has five Cup Series wins at Talladega Super Speedway. The first of his career coming here in April of 2009, driving that 09 car for James Finch. Also winning here in the spring of 2012, the fall of 2014 when it was a must-win situation, the spring of 2016, and the fall of 2017. Five-time Talladega winner Brad Keselowski starting in 10th. Austin Dillon in 11th, Kyle Larson in 12th, but we know about the horrible luck that he has had at restrictor plate racing throughout his career. Matt DiBenedetto in 13th, Eric Amarola 14th. We know how phenomenal Eric has always been at restricted plate racing. Eric won at Talladega in the fall of 2018. Kurt Busch in 15th. It's so hard to believe that Kurt has never won a cup race at Talladega. He finished second here in the spring of 2018. Starting 16th is Kevin Harvick, who won this race in 2010 in typical dramatic Kevin Harvick fashion over Jamie McMurray. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., one of the best restricted plate racers in the business. Ricky got the first win of his career in this race four years ago. Ross Chastain, another great restricted plate racer, needs a good run. I mean, he finished seventh in the Daytona 500 back in February. Daniel Suarez in 19th. Daniel, I mean, he's he's got fast cars, track house. They have so much potential, but he always seems to get swept up in something at Daytona or Talladega. Tyler Reddick in 20th. Tyler did win the Xfinity race here two years ago. Chris Buescher in 21st, another very, very underrated restrictor plate racer. Eric Jones in 22nd, an awesome-looking paint scheme, paying tribute to the Tuskegee Airmen, United States Air Force. That's such an amazing car. Our Daytona 500 champion, Michael McDowell. As Josh Manley always says, Definitely a guy you always have to keep on your radar. And if you're in fantasy league, someone you, you always put in your lineup for Daytona or Talladega. I know Michael has had some horrible luck lately. The wreck at Richmond, or the wreck at Martinsville, excuse me, didn't really run all that well at Richmond, finishing 27th. So he's going to be starting in 23rd, but hey, it's Talladega. Bubba Wallace in 24th. This is definitely their best chance to win a race. By far. Bubba ran phenomenal in both Talladega races last year with the 43 and actually had a shot to win Talladega in the fall with less than 10 laps to go before he ended up hitting the wall. Chase Briscoe in 25th, Corey LaJoy 26th, Cole Custer 27th, Ryan Newman 28th. A lot of people talk about all the horrible wrecks that Ryan's had here and at Daytona and everything, but I'll tell you what, he does a phenomenal job when he does stay out of trouble, bringing that car home in the top five or the top ten. Ryan Priest in 29th. Ryan finished third in this race two years ago as a rookie. Anthony Alfredo in 30th. BJ McLeod, Quinn Huff, Cody Ware, Justin Moneymaker Haley in 34th, Joey Gase in 35th in a beautiful, and I mean beautiful, Davey Allison tribute car as we know. Davey was from Hueytown, Alabama. Sadly, the helicopter crash that he had in the infield at Talladega in July of 1993 and succumbing to his injuries the next day. But Davey, there was an incredible piece that Fox Sports 1 did a few years ago on organ donations. And 
the lives that that it helped save when Davy died. And the story with Joey Gase, 10 years ago, Joey's mother died from a brain aneurysm when he was only 18 years old. And ever since then, you've seen it so many times on Joey's cars, whatever state they might be racing in, just a huge, huge advocate for organ donations because his mom was an organ donor. So definitely a very, very beautiful and meaningful paint scheme for Joey Gase, especially Talladega, which was Davey's home race. Josh Balicki in 36th. J.J. Yaley in 37th. Obviously, that was the car that Jennifer Jo Cobb was going to run for her cup debut. Kaz Grala, 38th, driving for Colleague Racing, their third race of the year. They ran in the Daytona 500 together, but he got caught up in the big one. And A.J. Allmendinger drove that car at the Daytona road course from the back of the field to 7th. And obviously, there's been talk for the past week or two about junior motorsports possibly becoming a cup team in 2022 colleague racing is another one and starting in 39th making his nascar cup series debut in the number 96 toyota is harrison burton makes you wonder what his plans are for 2022 is joe gibbs finally going to move him up to cup is it going to be that second 23xi car or let's face it if it's the 19 car, if they push Martin Trex Jr. out the door, since Martin is pretty much the elder statesman of Joe Gibbs Racing, I mean, he's only a few months older than Denny Hamlin. Here's a, here's a scenario I thought about. So, and real quick, Timmy Hill starting in 40th. That rounds out of the field. Here's a scenario I thought about, and I'll bring it up tomorrow on my podcast with Josh Boone and Johnny Glow. If Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Kelly Earnhardt Miller, if they finally decide that it's time to move up Junior Motorsports to the Cup Series in 2022, obviously for me, a dream scenario would be for Brad Keselowski to move on from Team Penske sign that contract, reunite with Dale Earnhardt Jr., and drive for him in the Cup Series, the guy that gave him his big break in 2007. But we know, in my opinion, Brad is too loyal to Roger Penske. And it sounds like, for the most part, they're close to a contract extension. So, if Junior Motorsports moves up to the Cup Series in 2022, up until Alex Bowman won... Sunday at Richmond. One scenario I thought was if Rick Hendrick were to give Alex Bowman the boot after 2021, obviously that's not going to happen after winning at Richmond. You figured, well, if he gets the boot from Hendrick Motorsports, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is going to hire him in a second. Obviously that's not going to happen now that Jeff Andrews said that they're, they're close to an extension with Alex Bowman. So you have Justin Allgaier with Brant, Noah Gregson with Bass Pro Shops, Michael Annette with Pilot Flying J. Obviously, they bring in those sponsorship dollars to Junior Motorsports. I mean, to me, I think that I don't know if Michael really, in my opinion, wants to go back up to Cup 
unless it's the right situation possible. I know Justin Allgaier, I know that Justin would love to get another crack in Cup, but with top-notch equipment. And, of course, so many things with Noah. He's got the sponsorship, but obviously he has a lot of baggage as well, personality-wise. Anyway, my point is, if they decide to move up Junior Motorsports to the Cup Series in 2022, but they want a veteran driver to be behind the wheel and help provide leadership and feedback what to do with these Cup cars. If Joe Gibbs tells Martin Truex Jr., you're odd man out, I want to move up Harrison Burton. How cool would that be if Martin Truex Jr. were to finish off his career driving for the guy that gave him his big break, Dale Earnhardt Jr. And obviously, Bass Pro Shops, they've been with him since the start. When he finally moved up to the Bush Series full-time in 2004 driving for Junior, sure enough, that was the bulk of the schedule was Bass Pro Shops. When he finally moved up to Cup in 2006, Bass Pro Shops. So it makes you wonder. And I'm not saying that you know Martin Trex Jr. is going to get kicked out of Joe Gibbs Racing. I mean, he has another year on his contract, but we know with these contracts, they're usually option years. So... Very, very interesting, to say the least. When I look ahead to Sunday, Denny Hamlin on the pole. Phenomenal, phenomenal super speedway racer. I mean, him, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski. I would say that those are definitely, in my opinion, any particular order, the three best restricted plate racers that we have now. And I would even put Ryan Blaney up there. I'd say probably about fourth. And rounding out the top five, maybe Chase Elliott. So the thing with Talladega, 188 laps, stage one, lap 60, stage two, lap 20. You're going to see three and four wide racing. You're going to see guys, obviously, that hardly ever have a shot to win. They'll be running up front, like a Corey LaJoy, even Bubba Wallace, the way that his season has gone. Michael McDowell, you know he is going to be a factor on Sunday. Justin Haley, if he could stay out of trouble. Kaz Grala, that's another one. And those are guys, that underdogs, that you definitely could see being in the hunt. Now, of course, as we talk about teamwork, Toyota's working with Toyotas. Chevrolet's working with Chevrolet's. Chevrolet's. Ford's working with Ford's. But that Penske trio, Brad Keselowski, five wins at Talladega. Joey Logano, three wins at Talladega. Ryan Blaney, two wins at Talladega. And Ryan, he's very low-key. He's very laid back. But obviously, we know about that tension that's been building for the past year and a half with Brad Keselowski and Joey Logano. What's going to happen Sunday? What's going to happen Sunday if... We have another Daytona 500 scenario. Joey's leading on the last lap. Brad's running in second, and he lays back, and he gets that run going down the backstretch into turn three. Is Joey going to cut him off? Cut off a car that's going 10 miles an hour faster than him? What's the situation going to be if Brad Keselowski's leading and Joey Logano is behind him? Is Joey going to pile right into him and cause a huge wreck on the last lap? It's hard to say. 
And obviously, I think the Gibbs guys, they have worked together the best. Denny, Truex, Kyle, Christopher Bell, even Bubba. That's essentially a fifth Gibbs car. I think Chevrolet as a whole has worked together well. I mean, we've seen, we saw it last year. We saw it last year. Hendrick cars working with RCR. Even at the very end of the Daytona 500, who was trying to help push Chase Elliott to the win? Austin Dillon. So... I think you'll definitely see moments where it's single file by the wall. And especially in the stages, once there's two or three laps to go, you're going to see guys start making moves. And of course, we all know it's Talladega. It's not a matter of if, it's only when. And you don't have to worry about weather on Sunday. It's going to be beautiful. It's going to be 70 degrees and sunny. So you know the big one is going to happen. The only question is when. The only question is who's going to cause it. The only question is, how many cars is it going to take out? Ultimately, as much as I praise Joey Logano for being a great restricted plate racer, and he is a great restricted plate racer, his driving at Daytona and Talladega is reckless. And, I mean, really, when you think of it, how many wrecks has he caused at Daytona and Talladega, especially Talladega over the past few years? Alex Bowman in 2019, that was one of them. And then, of course, the 2020 Daytona 500 pushing Eric Almirola and Brad Keselowski and most of the field piling in on the backstretch. The fall race at Talladega last year causing a big one with a couple laps to go that he got caught up in himself because of his own reckless driving. And we all know about the end of the Daytona 500. I say with about 20 laps to go on Sunday, I think Joey Logano is going to be leading. I see someone... Having a big run on him, trying to pass him for the lead. I say going off into turn three. Joey's going to cut him off no matter how much faster he's going to be. they're going to be going than him. And then next thing you know, I think that all hell's going to break loose and a bunch of cars are going to pile in. Honestly, that's what I see happening. I say lap 167, turn three. 21 laps to go, Joey Logano cuts someone off and the big one ensues. So... As Ricky on Trailer Park Boys would always say, survival of the fitness, boys. <laughs> and what I mean by that is, even though Denny Hamlin won this race last year, he dropped to the back pretty much right off the bat. And that's the thing, like, Talladega and Daytona, you, even though you have a shot to win, no matter what you're driving, everybody has a different philosophy. And a lot of the Joe Gibbs drivers over the years, Tony Stewart, Bobby Labonte, even Dale Jarrett, who was their first ever driver, they always like to drop to the back of the field in these restricted play races. And Tony, Tony really wasn't more until the end of his career when he was with Stewart Haas Racing. But those early days with Joe Gibbs Racing, man, he, he was willing to go to the front of Daytona and Talladega. Anyway, Denny dropped to the back. He survived carnage after carnage after carnage. And he was in position to win there at the end. And obviously you have guys like Joey Logano being one of them. Brad Keselowski for the most part. But obviously even with Brad having five wins at Talladega, we've seen how many wrecks he's been caught up in at Talladega and Daytona for the past three or four years. And a lot of them have not been... Because of his own doing. Because of Joey Logano or Ricky Stenhouse Jr. 
So we've seen Brad. We saw it in the Daytona 500. We saw it in the summer race of Daytona last year. Drop to the back, avoid all the carnage, and then put yourself in a position to be there at the end. And obviously you have guys like like Joey Logano, for instance, Chase Elliott, Austin Dillon. You know, these are guys that plan to stay up front as much as they can on Sunday. Whereas Martin Trex Jr., as many wrecks as he's been involved in at Talladega, you know he's going to drop to the back. And the thing with Martin is he drops to the back, he starts to make his way to the front, and then that's when the big one happens and he has absolutely nowhere to go. So, ultimately, it was awesome to see Brad win that I-Race on Wednesday night. It would be so meaningful to see him tie Dale Earnhardt Jr., his mentor, for six Talladega wins this Sunday. Monday is the 12th anniversary of his first cup win. How crazy is that? And there's so many great storylines, obviously. Him, Denny Hamlin, Joey Logano, William Byron, Chase Elliott, who thought it would be nine races into the season and the defending champion would be winless on the year. Kyle Busch, either one of the Busch brothers for that matter, Bubba, Ricky Stenhouse Jr. I mean, Ricky's definitely going to be up at the front all day, that's for sure, no matter what happens. Even his teammate Ryan Priest. Ryan is definitely one of the more underrated restricted plate racers there is. Ultimately, I picked him last week, and I'm going to pick him again. And you want to know something? I'm going to keep picking him until he wins a damn race this year. <laughs> I'm going with the number 11 of Denny Hamlin to finally get that first win of 2021 this Sunday at Talladega Super Speedway. And tomorrow night, myself and Jason Boone and Johnny Glow and Josh Manley, obviously we're going to spice things up with this mock draft. But when it comes to NASCAR picks this weekend, me and Boone, were, it's definitely kind of boring. <laughs> we, we both went with the 11 of Justin Haley for tomorrow or Sunday's Xfinity Race at Talladega, whenever it's going to be. And for Sunday, I went with the 11 of Denny Hamlin. Jason Boone, he's going with the 11 of Denny Hamlin for Sunday. So great minds think alike, don't they? So that's going to do it for episode 56 of Jake's Take. I appreciate you guys tuning in once again. Be on the lookout for tomorrow night, episode 57, the NFL Mock Draft. Myself, Jason Boone, Josh Manley, Johnny Glow. Fun times ahead. I can't wait. Have a great night. Y'all take it easy.